Thank you for listening to our New Life Christian Center podcast. Stay tuned after the sermon for more ways to connect with us. Praise the Lord. We'll open in your Bibles, if you would, please, to the book of John, chapter 4. We've been talking about harvest time faith. And basically, harvest time faith, the result of surrendering to his plan rather than striving to complete it. And I want you to get this because this is some new terminology. And I'm sorry, I really just made it up. Um, and and uh, so you say, well, pastor, do you just make stuff up all the time? Well, I made it up based on the word. And, and I want to really explain that to you today because most of us have an idea about harvest time faith, getting what we want. And what I'm trying to get you to see is that as you open your eyes to the spirit, you can see what God is offering as his accomplishment for you to be a, a conduit or a channel to bring from heaven to earth. That's harvest time faith. This is not about you getting what you want. This is about you recognizing what God's intent is and you being the conduit of bringing that down here. So I coined that term harvest time faith. It's actually a term that I believe God gave to me because he wants me as an individual to walk the rest of my days with a recognition that every one of my steps can be ordered by this harvest time faith. This ability to look up into heaven, see what God is offering as completed. When God offers us, it's complete. It's not, oh, well, maybe this will happen. This is offering it as a completion. Now, remember, <laughs> your harvest time faith has to be supported by the word of God. So this is not, well, I sure wish that this person or that person or these things or this money or, no, nope, this is about what God is accomplishing and what God is offering. So look in with me, if you will, <coughs> excuse me, <coughs> in verse 34 of chapter four, where it says, Jesus said to them, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Now he had to look up into heaven. Jesus did this all the time, but we're just now, or I'm just now, beginning to recognize how often it seemed like Jesus did something so insignificant that we didn't notice it. He lifted up the little boy's fish and loaves. He looked up into heaven and he thanked God. He got a different perspective of what he had in his hands. We see it here where he's getting ready to teach us to look up into heaven. He says, and I'm gonna put my words in here. Here's my, here's my commentary. He said, I looked up into heaven and I found out that the food that sustains me is to do the will of my father who sent me. See, he, he, he was human, fully human, fully God. He had to look up into heaven and, 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 and recognize this is what God's doing in my life. <coughs> Excuse me. And to finish his work. Then he said these words. Do not say there are still four months. And then comes the harvest. He's taking their eyes off of their natural knowledge. He's taking their understanding away from the natural and he's saying, listen to me, don't say that anymore spiritually. Spiritually, don't process your life based on natural phenomenon, natural ways. Because if you do it that way, you will only, the best you can get is natural results anointed by God. And you say, oh, that's great. Well, yes, it is. But it's short of what God is offering, which are supernatural results that come blessed already. Nothing you can do to stop them. The church cannot be stopped by the attacks of the devil. Amen. He said, do not say there's still four months and then comes the harvest. Behold, I say to you, lift up your eyes and look at the fields. He's telling you what to do and what to see. Are you with me? 
How many of you ever <coughs> stood outside or been driving and noticed a cloud formation? And inside the cloud formation, you recognize a person, a place, or a thing. You say, oh, look at that. That cloud looks like. <coughs> and then you try, excuse me. And then I, I breathed in a bunch of dirt and sawdust yesterday because I think it's my son's reward to me to try and kill me when he's helping me build our house. But anyway, <laughs> have you ever said to somebody, look up there, can you see it? Can you see what that cloud looks like? See, what God is trying to get us to do is to look up and he's saying, look for the fields that are white unto harvest. Now, <clears throat> you may not recognize this as spiritual terms, but in other places, this same story is related in Luke in particular. And, and he says, and pray the Lord of the harvest to send laborers into that harvest. He said, I looked up, I saw it white into harvest. And he said, pray that God will send laborers into that harvest. And so again, what we're trying to see here is what God is showing us, but he's telling us what to look for. Okay, S somebody should have amended that. Not that I'm a, not that I'm a, you know, a monger for, for but do you, do you understand how important this is? <laughs> when you look up into heaven, you're oftentimes looking for what you want. Oh God, when will I be through this circumstance? I can't take one more day of this, God. And what he's asking you to do is to look up, lift your head above your circumstances, look into heaven and look for the fields that are white unto harvest. Now, this can be people who need saved. That's the most literal probably interpretation. But it also can be the fields of harvest that God has planned for you. And you now see them and he gives you direction on where to go and what to do. I tell this story sometimes, <coughs> but when I was first here, I had a dream that involved a person who went to this church. And I saw this person in this huge necklace with big old honking colored bubblegum balls. And they, they're just, just beads on her necklace. Okay, and I had this dream and I recognized the person, but I'd never seen, and I'm not real observant to what people wear, but I, I, I just never remember seeing and about two weeks later, this woman walks into the church with this necklace on. I went, huh, she really does have a necklace. But here's the thing. What God showed me was the harvest that was prepared for that circumstance when I recognized that she was here. And so I just did what I saw happening two weeks before in my dream. Because I thought, well, she's dressed for it. Let's go. Right? Because I'd seen it already. See, and oftentimes we're looking up and saying, oh, God, when is this going to stop? You can't see that part because if God told you that you would stop depending on him, knowing that two weeks from Tuesday, it's going to stop. And you just coast your way to two weeks from Tuesday. But if you know when it's going to stop, you won't you won't cooperate with him. If you don't know, you're going, oh, God, and you press in and maybe you'll see the harvest that God has. Many of you have probably experienced this in personal difficulties or even health difficulties <coughs> where you were asking God, you know, please help me. And then and then, you know, two weeks later, you go to the doctor and find out that there's a new nurse there and she asks you that one question. And you give her your testimony about Christ. See, God loved that nurse enough to prepare you 
to answer her question or his question two weeks in advance. Because you saw that harvest field. Is that, are you tracking with me? Because it, it's so important that, that you process this way because if not, what you'll see is the harvest that you intend to receive. You'll see the harvest that you want. And I'm not saying the two things have to be different. I'm just saying make sure you see the harvest field that God is offering. <coughs> Notice he says, lift up your eyes and look at the field for they are already white for harvest. Now here's the thing and what I want to talk about today. When we see that the fields are white unto harvest, what God shows us is oftentimes more than we can carry. He shows us these spectacular things and we recognize, wait a minute, I can't carry all of that. And about 10 chapters later in this very book, John chapter 16, let's look at verse number 7. He begins to expand that level of understanding or that level of teaching to a way that we can understand it. Now notice what he says in the fifth verse. This is John chapter 16, verse 5. Are you ready? Look at it. But now I go away to him who sent me. Do you remember back in chapter 4 when we were reading and he said, I have food you don't know about to do the will of my father who sent me? See, the language is comparable, and now he's going, hey, I'm going to go away to him who sent me. Same context, same picture. And none of you ask me, where are you going? The process that he was trying to get them to see is that everything was available to them in advance. But nobody asked the right question. Nobody, this is, this is what, some of you are looking at me like I just got off the boat from Africa. <laughs> you understand how important this is? But none of you ask me, where are you going? They didn't understand what was happening. Whenever God opens a spiritual harvest field revelation to you, it should produce a question in you. It should produce a question in you. Are you ready? But because I've said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. What replaced their question? Their disappointment. Their sorrow. Do you see it? Because I said, he said he's going away. <clears throat> Excuse me. We have the luxury today of knowing the story. If Jesus doesn't go away, this stuff doesn't work. If Jesus isn't sacrificed, you're still in your sins. It does not work. So we have a luxury. We begin to see ourselves going, yeah, we got to have Jesus. He's got to go away. We got to get rid of him. Because what happens because of the spiritual harvest that is planned, it's set in motion by the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. He says in verse number seven, nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. Now, you can't always process this well because when you look up into heaven, God isn't showing you something to protect you from sorrow and disappointment. That's what they had. But what they should have looked up and saw was, whoa, things get really good when we get rid of this dude. Now, I don't mean to speak unkindly about Jesus, but, you know, <laughs> when Jesus is crucified, stuff starts happening. He tells us that. Look at it. He says, 
if I go away, it's to your advantage. For if I do not go away, if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. The very thing that you think you need is brought to pass by something you can't get your mind around. Why do we have to crucify Jesus? Can't Jesus just live forever right here? I mean, wouldn't it be better oftentimes? I mean, I would love this when, I, when I'm trying to figure out, God, what are you trying to say to me here? And I would just like Jesus to walk through the doors and say, I'll take it from here. You've goofed it up enough. I mean, I would love that. Or the Holy Spirit to show up in bodily form and go, okay, pastor, just stop babbling and get out of the way. But that isn't how he chose to do it. He chose to show us harvest fields. Now, let me tell you something about being a pastor. When I look up into heaven as I pray for this church, the harvest fields that I see are related to you. If you'll come to church and listen, and if I've heard or seen, more appropriately, correctly, <laughs> what you can receive as you look up in there is God preparing to do something in your life that you might not be aware of. Amen. Maybe this isn't as good as I thought it was, but I was really hoping that you would go, wait, you're kidding me. I can look up into heaven and my goofy preacher can confirm it? I mean, how powerful is it to recognize that when you look up into heaven and see something and then you come to church two weeks later and God encourages us to, to discover it or talk about it together and you go, Oh my, he's answering my questions before I could formulate them. That's his harvest field. That's what he's trying to do. But look what he says. Here's, and that's what, this is what today is about. <laughs> and, and, and if I depart, this is the end of verse 7, I will send him to you. Now, skip down. I know the, the next verses tell what the Holy Spirit's going to do. But skip down and look at verse number 12. He says, 12 please. Nope. Yeah, 12. I was going to say, that doesn't say that. I still have many things to say to you. Do you see it? Jesus talking to his disciples and he says, I still have so many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. Here's what he's saying. He's saying, listen, what I'm going to show you requires an increase in your capacity to carry it. You cannot bear it today. You cannot bear the full weight of God's truth today. How many ever experienced that? Where, you know, three weeks after God started dealing with you about something, you finally kind of got your mind around it. I remember when, when, when I realized that God was hiding things for me in the Word. And I went, wait, what? I don't have to know it before I find it? See, I was reading... I didn't go to traditional Bible school, and I thought in traditional Bible school, they teach you all this stuff. By the way, I found out since they don't. In fact, what they teach you there is completely useless in most cases. Because no one in this church compares, cares whether I can compare Hebrew and Greek syntax. You don't care. Now, I can do that, having taught myself, and still find it almost totally useless. Okay? You can't bear it now. What's he saying? He said, you cannot lift this to carry it away. I have two people in my life. <clears throat> one of them has gone on to be with the Lord. The other one is still alive. And they're the two strongest people I've ever met in all my life. One of them was my worship leader in Imperial. He was about five foot eight. And when he went on a 
went on a, a year's worth of medically supervised dieting. He still weighed 700 pounds. Hugely obese man. But he could belly up to one of those barrels of drip oil and pick it up out of the back of his pickup with his bare hands. That's a pretty good trick. And not one I want to try to learn how to do. He was so strong. I went, how do you figure out he could do that? I mean, when does the idea hit your mind that you should carry this with your brute strength? Somewhere in his makeup was a development of that capacity. He didn't start at 10 years old lifting a 30-gallon drum of drip oil. He couldn't lift it when he was 10. But he could probably lift more than us when he was 10. Why? Because he worked on his capacity to carry. He bared himself up under bigger and bigger weights. Are you with me? Spiritually, what Jesus just said is you cannot bear, you cannot pick them up to carry them off. Here's what we need to understand about this. What Jesus says to us through our revelation in heaven oftentimes requires a greater capacity to carry it than what we have. He shows us those things, right, so that we can learn and exercise our ability to increase our capacity. Chugga, 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 chugga. Woo-hoo! <laughs> you, 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 are, are you getting me? Okay. Before I was in ministry, I was in the restaurant business. In the restaurant that we did back in the days, now this is before credit cards and all that kind of stuff, when people actually, I was actually in a place the other day and I took my $20 bill to pay for whatever I bought and the lady said to me, we don't take cash. I thought, well, okay then, how do you want me to pay for this? I mean, you don't take cash? So I had to use a credit card, which I don't always like to do, because the cash I have is mine, and I can choose to spend it. The cash that Visa has is still theirs, and they'd love me to choose how to spend it. Amen? So I love using cash. Anyway, my point is that you have to increase your capacity to hold the vision. So when I was in the restaurant business, we were dealing with in excess of $10,000 in cash a week. How many of you recognize that you're, if you're just touching money all day long, every day, that without character, you can think some of that money might be yours? Right? You might, you might need the capacity to understand how to handle large amounts of money. Now, I don't handle the money in this church. Don't, don't misinterpret this. But I've been in two churches. Both of them required me to increase my capacity in understanding how to handle money in a biblical way. God, in my opinion, God has a lot to say to all of you about financial integrity. But in some cases, you cannot bear the instruction yet because he's working on your capacity. He will not give you things that end up hurting you. He's not here to fix your disappointment and your sorrow. He's here to increase your capacity to carry what he shows you from heaven. Does that make sense or not? Do I have to? I'll stay right here because if you can get this, you will participate in the five or six steps that I'm about ready to give you on how to increase your capacity to carry what God shows you. How many of you would like to have a greater capacity? Does that make sense? 
<clears throat> but <clears throat> so when Jesus speaks to you, he says, I'd like to tell you more. So he gives you this crazy picture of white fields in heaven four months before the harvest is supposed to start. Now, we still have our natural understanding. And so what we're doing is, okay, does this mean that in four months I need this information? It could mean that. It could mean that he's going to develop your capacity to carry what he's telling you to do. It took me over 11 years in this church to get approval from God to minister to pastors. 11 years. I was ready day one. In fact, I spent almost six years in my last church trying to do that because that's the picture I saw in heaven. It took 17 years for God to increase my capacity to carry what God was going to say to pastors. I don't like that at all. I flat wanted to do it 16, 17 years previous to that. I told God I was ready. I told God he should be doing that. I held his word in front of him and said, you're not holding up your end of the deal. How many of you can recognize when you get frustrated and angry at God and you start telling him what his word says? You're telling the guy who wrote it what it says? Your interpretation is goofy? And he needs to deal with your character? Literally to increase your capacity to hold the truth of what God's word says. Amen or not? Now this brings a whole lot of light to what you're, what you're missing in your spiritual life. You say, well God, why can't, well you promised to do this. How many ever told God what he promised while you weren't holding the promise? She loves me, don't worry. My little nieces, you know, my, my one little niece, she's down children's church, but it, it was just in the last year that she stopped calling me God. <laughs> hey, there's God. God came to supper at my house. Yeah. <laughs> God has to increase our capacity to carry what Jesus is going to say to us. He's not just giving it to you willy-nilly. He wants you to be able to pick it up spiritually and walk with it. You cannot bear it right now, he said in that word. So, capacity is the power to hold through condition. So, the capacity of this little jug of zero sugar Gatorade, 12 fluid ounces. Its capacity, the ability to hold, is measured by 12 fluid ounces. If you put 13 fluid ounces in here, what's going to happen? It's going to run over. It does not have the capacity to hold that much. So hence, when God says your cup runs over, what's running out? Whatever you don't have the capacity to hold. He's always overflowing your cup. You're going, wait, what do I need to do for that? Get a bigger cup. Amen? It also means <laughs> the ability to hold by condition or by state. If I was to heat this up just a little bit and this plastic would expand, get looser, I could probably force more than 12 fluid ounces in this bottle. By heating the plastic up, it becomes malleable, right? It becomes flexible and it's possible you could stretch it and put more in there. That's state. How many of you recognize that when God puts heat on you, it changes your state? 
He will burn out some of the stuff that he doesn't want in there so that that spot can be holding the capacity that he wants you to have. So when you go through a character test, God oftentimes will take out parts of that by proving or by trial so that you can carry what he's trying to show you. Are we together? Condition, okay, state, and character. Character is the third way that God measures capacity. If what God gives you causes you to become a prideful, ignorant fool, you did not have the character to handle what he gave you. If God gives you the perfection of his design in your wife and you're dishonoring to it, or husband, and you're dishonoring to it, then you're refusing the capacity that God gives you through character development. If God brings you to a church that he says you should honor through giving, through participation, or through whatever, you say, well, I'm only going to do part of that. You're refusing the work of God through character development. Either this is really new, or you people are going, that's nuts, that guy's not right. It's pretty new, isn't it? How many of you recognize, don't raise your hands, how many of you recognize that in certain areas that God's dealing with you, it seems like he's dealing in an area of character? How many of you now recognize that the reason he's dealing with you in that area of character is because he wants you to carry more of what he has? That's better, isn't it? Rather than saying, well, it just stinks. Character will help you see the trial as not being punishment, but rather exercise. Isn't that good? See, that's what, that's what Peter did, or, uh, uh, <laughs> Paul did in Philippians. He went to jail and he says, well, look at this. This is going to turn out great. Wait, you're in jail, you ignoramus. Jail is not cool. They shut the door and the lock's on the wrong side. Not good. And, so, and, and Paul was going, this is the best. Even the palace guards are going to get saved. Who thinks of that when they're in jail? But somehow God developed his character in such a way that when he looked up into heaven, he said, God put me in jail so I could minister to those people. I was thinking, praise God, I wouldn't do that. <laughs> Because my character isn't there at times. So when God's working on your character, as frustrating as that is, you ought to recognize that the reason he works on your capacity or your character is so you can carry what he's trying to show you. Because you need to be able to bear that now, in the present day. You cannot bear it now. What's that mean? Between now and then, he wants to build up so you can carry the now when you need to be able to carry it. I can say it again. Between the now and the then, he builds your character so when you get to the then, it becomes your now when you can carry what God's showing you. Carry it the way he, he designed it. That's how big ministry happens. That's how church happens. That's how character development happens in an individual. That's how businesses grow. It's the whole thing. Listen, <clears throat> if you can't have the character in your business to treat people like Jesus Christ, he will continue to send difficult people your way to try and prove you to increase your character so you can carry what God 
has designed for you to carry. Most of us want God to bless our finances so we can be more comfortable. You can say, oh, that's not me, Pastor. Really? Do you ever look at your house and think it ought to be bigger? Do you ever look at what God gave you and secretly thought it wasn't enough? Do you ever look at your car and think, well, so-and-so has a nice car. Why can't I have a nice car? If God cannot trust your character... He will work at developing it so that you will trust him so he can pour into you what he's, what he's offering. Are we good? Okay, so here's the thing. We can't bear it, but here's what he's going to do. Here's the thing, God. Put up that, that quote, please. That, that, yeah, it's next thing God seems to offer. <coughs> here's the thing. Write this down. God seems to offer opportunities for our capacity to increase through his word to us, his work in us, and his work through us. Listen, there are people that you will be called to minister to that you don't like. You're just going, oh man. The spirit of slap comes on me real regular. Thinking, do you breathe all by yourself? You know, and you're just thinking, how is this going to work? And God regularly sends people that way. And, and, okay, I'm telling you this because of my dealings with pastors, okay? Not every pastor, in fact, hardly any pastor is going to end up looking like me. I minister to pastors, we minister to pastors. God called us to minister to pastors and they're from every imaginable background and I have absolutely no interest in changing their theology. Initially, what I wanted to do is to make them, it took 17 years, I'm lightning quick. Initially, what I wanted to do is to change their theology. And I would say things like this, you know, best thing that ever happened to you if you pray in tongues. I mean, that'd be the best thing. Well, first of all, <clears throat> They believe, some of them believe, that praying in tongues is of the devil. Well, how do I get over that? Well, now I've got to teach them that what they believed was demonic, not what I do. I have to actually attack what they believe. How many of you think that's a sure way to fail, is to attack other people? It took 17 years. Praise God, I have a degree in slow. 17 years it took. I just went, God. He said, I've been trying to get this across to you. He says, stop trying to change people. And I thought, well, isn't that what we need? Is changed people? He says, yes, it's what we need, but we need to let somebody else do it. Why can't I do it? Because it's not your job. He says, let me do it. And I went, <laughs> there's a novel idea. Let's let God change people. That's way cool. By the way, I've, I, have, I personally have never failed in that assignment. I let God do it. But as a human, I am way frustrated sometimes. Because my capacity, are you ready? My capacity to carry patience for their change hasn't increased enough. Because I, I know what would help them so I would love, I'd love just to say, you know what, if you just do it this way and just shut up. You know, it help you. God doesn't want that. It took a long time. Let me show you how long it took. 
Look at if, if this is verse number 12 again. He says, I can't bear when he, the spirit of truth, this in 13, it says the spirit of truth. It literally means the unveiled reality through divine revelation. What the Holy Spirit brings us is unveiled reality through heaven's revelation. When you look up into heaven, what you see is what God intends to have happen on the earth. Now, please don't make this about anything other than spiritual things right now. He wants to see spiritual things on earth. And then we are supposed to carry it, not enforce it. So we say, well, God wants us to be pure. So I'm going to go out and attack every impure person I find. And I'm going to stand on a street corner and point out people's sin until they accept Jesus. That isn't what God is saying. Not at all. I'm not going to get into that today. He says he'll not speak on his own. Listen, he'll guide you by showing you the way and speak based on divine reasoning. See, this is why I, I spoke so hard about human reasoning a couple of weeks ago and, and last week some too. Is that human reasoning will take us down the wrong road, but divine reasoning is the life of heaven. He said, if you'll give your life to me, if you'll die to self and give your life to me, I'll make your life like nothing you've ever experienced. That's human reasoning. Or I mean, that's divine reasoning. Go ahead and die and see what comes out of your death. Notice it says he speaks. He talks with or in divine revelation and reasoning. That's why he said in Isaiah chapter 55, my ways are not your ways. Why? Because they're higher. Look at verse 14. He says, he will glorify me for he will take of what is mine and declare it. He'll literally announce in detail through divine revelation. Announce in detail. He's going to declare it. He's going to take what belongs. And then he goes on in the next verse. He says, everything that God has belongs to Jesus. And Jesus gives it to the Holy Spirit. And he's bringing all of it to show to you. He's bringing it to show you this picture of heaven. And you become the conduit that carries that into the earth. That's the harvest time faith that I'm talking about. Now, in the time I have left, I'm going to give you six opportunities because we don't automatically, automatically. What's, do I have a quote before that, Jeremy? I'm sorry. That's the one. We don't automatically have the capacity. You're not born with the capacity that you need. It has to develop. We need opportunities. God offers us those opportunities. I'm going to show you six of them. So turn in your Bibles, if you would, please, to the book of Romans, chapter 5. I'm going to go through them very quickly. We'll expand them in the weeks to come. We'll spend a lot of time here. And then I will also show you from Scripture the other divine opportunities. Did you know that, that forgiveness is a divine opportunity to increase your capacity to carry God's love? Isn't that great? You've got to forgive the people that don't deserve it so you can carry more of God's love. That's not easy. Romans chapter 5. That'll, that'll be in the weeks to come. You might want to stay home for a couple of weeks if you don't like this. Because <clears throat> it will not feel good when you realize that some of the opportunities that you've been wondering about have been God and not the devil. Romans chapter 5. It says, verse 1. Therefore, having been justified by faith, notice that we're declared innocent by faith in Jesus Christ. If you'll capture that, then what you go through doesn't have to be seen as punishment for what you've done. 
about 12 people just frowned at me. Okay. When you're going through life and you experience something that you don't like, okay, this is really hard. And you then say, well, I, I must not be doing something right. You have a punishment mentality. You think God will punish you, put you in difficulty, give you pain so that you will learn better. If that worked, please, Tuesday morning when you send your children to homeschool or to the public schools or wherever they go, please hit them on the head with a brick. Because obviously people learn better in pain. No, it doesn't make sense, does it? But what do we do? We say, well, God must be doing this. I must need to change my life because he's punishing me. No, you're innocent by faith in Jesus Christ. See it different. So what are you going through? You say, well, I'm going through this and, and, and I don't like it. Notice how everything you're going through, you don't like. I don't like it. My wife and I have four children. I was there when they were born. And I didn't like it. I would have been a 1950s dad so easily. Just give me a box of cigars that says it's a boy. And I just walk around the hospital. Here you go. You know, I didn't like that. That whole process. No, thank you very much. And every time my wife had a pain, she wanted to hold my hand. But I think she wanted to hold my hand to punish me for getting her in that position. She would squeeze my hand. One time she had her hand on my shoulder. She grabbed a hold of right here and just set me up like this. I said, I am not innocent in this, am I? Right? <laughs> She's punishing me for this. And you know, when a, when a woman goes through nine months and travails in birth and you hear them screaming and yell, in some cases, not everybody screams and yells. Some of you all are just awesome. But, but uh, you did not scream. Tracy's very quiet. She was just physically demonstrative. She tried to kill me. <laughs> She didn't say a word, but she had superhuman strength in her hand. <clears throat> she always had to be holding, so I had to switch hands one day. She was, she was 48 hours in labor with her first, okay? Hard labor. And that was back in the days of natural childbirth, where they just let you go, you know, and well, pretty soon that baby's coming out. Well, so I called our restaurant. We were doing restaurants at that point. I called them, and, and I had one of the managers bring me up food about every three hours. And I was sitting on the, on the side that looks at the door, which means she's squeezing my, my right hand. I thought, I can't eat this food without my right hand. So I had to switch sides just so I could eat. <laughs> you know, they put us in the, we were in a bigger hospital. They put us in the first um, um, uh, labor room. And there's like four or five other ones. And so they just keep wheeling these women by. I'm going... They're going to the delivery room. And then pretty soon they'd wheel her back by, oftentimes the crying baby. And I'm going, yeah, that's what we want. I'll take the crying baby over this. And people just kept going by and kept going by and kept going by. And I kept eating. <laughs> I had no other bad habits but that, okay? <clears throat> so, you know, I had my food delivered to me from, my, from the people that work for us and all that kind of stuff. <clears throat> but it came time. And they wheeled us in, and from 1 o'clock till about 2.08 with our first child, we had a baby in our hands. They laid that baby on my wife. And before we could get back to the room, this is my memory. She may not have said it quite this early. Before I got back to the room, she was ready to have another one. Want to know why? Because the end result was worth it. That's what you go through in trials and proving. Rather than saying, I don't like this. 
Well, okay, maybe you don't like being pregnant for nine months. Listen, men don't do this, so I don't have any idea. But just so you know, and so that you can either laugh or, or give me a big groan, I was also pregnant for nine months. Okay? Because there she was, living out loud. Here's my point. If your expectation of what you're going through is transformed, transferred if it's if it's transitioned away from pain and difficulty and punishment to reward and the plan of God all of a sudden whatever you go through is well worth it that makes sense so that's why he says in this he glory in tribulation he says we're innocent in these things but not only this so he gives us in the first two verses maybe he gives us the basic state of every Christian look at it again I'm not going to get through all of it today it says, been justified by faith, with peace through God, their Lord Jesus Christ, to whom also we have access by this faith and the grace which we stand. Rejoice in hope and glory. Okay, that's the general, peace, general position of everybody. But the third verse says this. And not only that, he's beginning to add to that. So here's what you get when you're born again. And not only that, pay attention to this. We also glory in tribulations. This is one of my favorite passages of scripture. I teach it a lot. If I go somewhere, I teach it. Because most people miss it. He's not asking you to be happy about it. He's asking you to figure out how to glory in it. And before you get all goofy about this, God doesn't share his glory. He wouldn't ask you to do something or to give something away that you didn't have. You can. You have the glory of God. You're being transferred, transformed from glory to glory, the Bible tells us. The glory of humanity into the glory, into the glory of a spiritual being. You have the glory to give away. He's saying you need to use <coughs> the weighty presence of God himself inside of you in the midst of the things you go through. Because when you glory in tribulations, the Bible says, you will find yourself being justified or innocent. And it helps you see your tribulations as opportunities rather than punishment. I am so much more prepared to help and be a minister based on what God seems to have offered to me as an opportunity rather than punishment. I've been changed. You can glory in those things. Notice what else it says in verse number three. He says, glory and tribulation, knowing, knowing. He says, when you know, and this is really the word for perception, for seeing. It's, it's you being able to see with the unveiled reality of the spiritual truth being offered. See, that's why women have such an awesome, awesome thing when they go through all the difficulty of childbirth and through the transition and all the labor. Because when they put that baby in that mama's hands, they're a changed person. I mean, it is something to behold. You go, why would you do this? Because of what they give me when I'm done. A little six or seven pound or how, maybe some of you girls had, you know, we had little babies, which made me wonder why she took so long to have them. But that's a whole other story. You know, six to ten pound babies and, and, and you just go through this, this, what looks to be a terrible struggle to birth this baby. And then they hand it to you and you mamas go, oh, this is what I was waiting for. That little baby laying on my chest. And you are, I'm telling you right now, this is where mama bear is made right here. You lay that baby on a mama's chest and you better not get in between her and that baby or you're going to die. 
This is where they meet. And actually, there's a, there's a psychological, physiological thing. You actually have a release of brain chemicals when you're skin to skin with your baby. And, and it represents a, a, a permanent connection. And by the way, that's why God says don't have sex outside of marriage. Because when you're skin to skin with somebody, your brain releases a chemical that knits you to that person. And if that ain't the person, good luck. Because you'll have to break those ties of intimacy. So just believe me as an old gray-haired guy, just don't do that. Come see me. Amen, that was free. So our capacity is increased. You see this? When we know what we're going through will show us his spiritual intent in our life. See, the knowing produces an understanding of spiritual intent. Are we together? Want me to keep doing this for the next couple of weeks because you're so, so enthused with it? Do you understand that if you get this, you will go through these steps. Would you just put up, I don't know which word, verse, I'm going to stop here. There's a producing and, and there's some, some perseverance that comes up. There's some character that comes up. Would you put up verse five maybe, please, Jeremy, and let me close with that. The last thing that is produced through the increase in capacity. So the first thing that happens is, is you begin to glory in tribulation. That increases your capacity. And he says, now know this, when you do this, it will produce. It literally will bring an end, an end plan, right? So back to pregnancy. If you go through pregnancy for that time, the end plan is to hand you a baby. Do you function on all the changes in your body? Going, geez, I don't like being pregnant. Man, women who are pregnant right now, 100 degrees outside, I feel for you. But I don't care. When, you put, when they put that baby on you, after you've had that baby... All bets are off, man. You are. Let's do this again. Let's have us another one. Because you begin to understand that the end result really changed you. That's hope. And so what God wants you to do is to get to that place where your faith becomes the evidence of the things you hoped for. When we were first pregnant, you know, we were young and we thought we had the world by the tail and all that kind of stuff. And I couldn't wait. I couldn't wait for Tracy to be laying in bed next to me and, you know, a little belly. Her belly then looks like mine does now. <laughs> it was up there a little bit. And I would look over there and I said, did the baby move? And you could see the baby go across her belt. Whoa, there's a living being in there. And she goes, yeah, he's kicking the thunder out of me. <laughs> so I put my hand over there just to feel. Why? Because I had an expectation. Soon that little guy's coming out. And when he comes out, I'm on the job. I'm going to teach him how to play football. I'm going to teach him how to play baseball. When he's two months old, I bought him an electric car. Okay, I bought that for me, but I gave it to him. <laughs> I mean, I did all these things. Why? Because I had an expectation, a hope that had some evidence in it. And I looked at her, at, at, at her, in, her, her abdomen, you know, where, where the baby was growing. I'm going, praise God, pretty soon I'm going to be able to see. And you know how every, maybe every dad doesn't do this. But I'm telling you what, my babies, they were pretty because they looked like me. You say, did you really think that? Absolutely did. Why? Well, who else would they look like? I just thought that was cool. You know, now they all have my personality and their, and their wives. I have four boys. Their, their wives love it. They call them Glenn and I take that as a compliment. Because my expectation. Are you tracking with me a little bit? See, when we get to this next week, hope becomes such a powerful force because it exposes us to the love of God. 
And that's the full circle. Amen? Come on, music team. I'll stop here. There's more. And it's online. You can go look at it. I hope you're getting it. I hope you're getting it. If this is new to you, I apologize for not teaching it before now, but the language is new to me. And I know this is what God wants to reveal to us now so that we can look up into heaven and we can see what God intends to pour out. He intends for us to have these things that he's revealing to us in heaven. Boy, it'll help you. It'll help you so much and God will increase your capacity. So don't get burdened down by what you don't have right now. Get excited by what God is taking you through to increase your capacity so you can hold everything that he's showing you. Amen. Stand with me, would you please? Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you today for this time. We bless you, Lord God, for your word. We find it, Father, as a surprise when we recognize how powerfully you want to work with us to give us the ability to carry everything that you're showing us. The ability to pick up the weighty glory of your, of your sharing with us, of your revelation, and to carry it as a conduit into a dying world. Oh, Father, we see this as such an exciting thing because the end result is very similar to when that mama gets her new baby. We are so excited, Father, because we see the end result when we look up into heaven. We literally see heaven pregnant with the outpouring of your intent. Oh, we thank you, Father, for that. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Thank you for listening. To subscribe to our podcast, search New Life Eckley in all of the major podcasting apps. Audio and video of our sermons are posted at newlifeeckley.com slash live, and you can watch Sermon Slices weekdays on social media. Search at New Life Eckley. Our main service is at 10 a.m. Mountain Time every Sunday. Thanks for listening.